Oh yeah, what a round one, everybody. Round one officially over with the playoffs, okay? Man, man, oh man, a lot of great games, a lot of fun to watch. I watched about as much as I could. Can't uh, can't complain with the round one I was given. My New York Rangers, big win last night, big win last night. Game seven win, we're going to get into them later, but oh boy, Welcome back. This is episode 17. Can't believe we're 17 episodes deep into this already. But, but, it's time to our, our, I think our new holiday celebration for the Toronto Maple Leafs not winning a playoff series since 04. My goodness. It is so bad they have fans fighting each other at a so- Scotiabank Center after the game. It's the, the funniest thing. Oh my god. It just... What a nightmare. I got videos right here of people punching the shit. Oh, my God. Yeah, that guy is getting beat up. Leaf fans turning on each other. The funniest thing, man. Oh, my God. The whole franchise is so in turmoil. Even the fans are fighting each other. There's still a lot to get into. Don't worry with these Toronto Maple Leafs. I have to say... um, well, first off, this is just going to be the first step. There's going to be two episodes this week. We're going to get into more tomorrow. So we'll probably even talk about it even uh, tomorrow. Yeah, definitely tomorrow it'll be out. for, And this and this episode will be out in the next hour or two. But the Toronto Maple Leafs are the most inconsistent team. My God. They're the only team that could look like world beaters out there but then absolutely get punched in the mouth the next game. And my God, that's exactly what happens this series. They won game one. Excuse me. Clear my throat. They won game one. Tampa comes right back. They won game three. Tampa comes right back. They have a 3-2 lead after winning game five. And they can't win in either game six or seven. And Tampa moves on to face the Florida Panthers. And the Toronto Maple Leafs go home. And that's the story of the series. They're inconsistent. Um, they they die after a win, and some, they just look flat. They look tired and exhausted, and Tampa just had more energy, um, more physicality with them. I don't know. Sheldon Keefe, uh, what's it called? He Obviously, he didn't do his job um, to get them over the hump. I don't know what happens now with him, another coach that can't get this group over the hump. So we still don't know yet. It is still to be determined. Um, and it's sad. I really did think they had a chance this year. I, I was starting to believe they, they fooled me. You know, Leafs fans are always saying, oh, this is our year. This is our year. They've had me fooled a little. Because I'm like, wow, they're not doing bad against Tampa. But then again, they showed their true uh, nature. And it's their yearly, uh, their yearly reminder that they've stunk for God knows how long now. So I have to say that uh, Jack Campbell... Excuse, um, it, it, the goalie, Jack Campbell, for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, he's the perfect summary of what happened with the Leafs. He was great game one, three, five, but he was awful two, four, and six. And then, you know, I even have to say that game seven was not his fault. I know they lost 2-1. But Jack Campbell kept them in that game. So he, I will not blame Jack Campbell for the game seven loss. He looked pretty good in that game to me. He showed up. But I think John Cooper is just a better coach because he's been through it before. Um, and he's certainly out-coached Sheldon Keefe here. But he knows what he what he expects. 
Um, after the, some of the bad losses early on, they started turning up. Nikita Kucherov, for example, there were times where he wasn't himself, but he ended up with eight points in seven games. So he, if Tampa goes on a deep run, he'll be in cons my consideration uh, as Nikita Kucherov is, um, definitely had a good round one, if you ask me. And then the other star that uh, did really well is Victor Hedman. First off, want to mention, he's in the top three finalists uh, with McCard, Yossi, and now Victor Hedman, obviously, for uh, Norris Trophy consideration. And, you know, this is a guy that he gets better as the age goes on. Just remember, he had an 85-point regular season after he came off meniscus surgery, and this is his back-to-back Stanley Cup. So, yeah, he it doesn't look like Victor Hedman. Even injuries can affect this guy. Um, yeah, this, this was, uh, last week he was named, uh, one of the North finalists. I don't think he'll get it. It'll probably be Yossi's trophy, but, um, Victor Hedman, I think he's been running, he's been in the running for the honor, uh, for six straight years. And he, I think he won it back in 2018. I think the streak now ties, uh, Nick Lidstrom is the longest to achieve that streak. So congratulations. Although Lidstrom won that trophy, I think, uh, quite more often than uh, Hedman did. But that's not the uh, case in point. As Victor Hedman, um, you know, he had... he, he He's probably... He's definitely the, one of the league's best defensemen out there. Um, he's a six-foot mammoth uh, who, who could skate, which is like... You got the size and speed. Um, he, he's able to cut off lanes and, and close gaps real quickly on certain players. Um, and then you have his uh, instincts, and he just makes the play, right play 99% of the time. And then and then he's got the heavy shot. He runs the power play. He, he does it all for this team. Um, he's in, light, in his 13 years of Lightning, he's fourth all-time in games, fourth in assists, and fifth in points. So he is uh, truly um, – he's been a leader for that franchise forever. Um, ever, ever since he was drafted, uh, he, you know, uh, de- definitely he's a Conn Smythe winner too. So he knows what it does – he, he, John Cooper knows what he, he expects from his, his uh, stars like uh, Kucherov and uh, Hedman out there. And he, even Stammer, but uh, we won't get into Stammer right now. Um, and then it was actually a pretty weird series to watch. Out of all the series, this was probably the most uh, most penalties. I think uh, the Leafs had number one at 43 penalties taken, and the Lightning had 39, which tied them for third. But uh, you just see, it barely seemed like any five-on-five play was happening. You know... Um, all these, uh, all, all these people in the penalty box. So hopefully, uh, they, ho- ho- I don't want to see refs dictate games. I and mean, there are some bad calls out there, but there's also just some dumb penalties taken, um, that I guess players need, uh, better discipline out there. And the Leafs, you know, they had a decent penalty kill this series, but you know, they gave up seven, a power play goal game is still enough for the lightning to win. So because that, that dangerous group of, uh, coot. Yeah, Kucherov and Hedman and then Samkos on the other side. They both can rip it with one-timers. And you got Braden Point. Don't forget about him. He He's just as dangerous. And then you got Kalorn, the veteran, in front of the net. So it's not an easy group to face out there when you're shorthanded a lot. And then, um, you know, it's like I said, the Leafs, they really did take it back another step. Um, you know, it, the, last year they were up 3-1 against the Montreal Canadiens. And they flat out choked, and they didn't push back. And this year, they're up 3-2 against the defending Stanley Cup champs, and you'd think they'd show an extra effort, but they didn't. There's no pushback from them. 
And and, and I just have to say, it, it's probably because of the way this team is built. They're they're their forward group is not physical enough. Okay, they're, it's it's a it's a team flaw. It's not just a one person flaw. It is a whole a strictly team flaw. If you ask me, I mean, the first line is uh, completely fine, but you know, I look at that second line. I even have to say. Uh, who, they ran out, I mean, they were switching Nylander here now and there, but, like, you look at Mikheyev, Tavares, and Kerfoot, I'm like, you know, Johnny T took a step down this year, I'd say, but Mikheyev and Kerfoot on the top six, that doesn't really get it done for me, if you ask me. I, I, I don't really, I'm not saying they're bad players, but it's like, you know, you when you look at a, a veteran lineup like the Lightning, you lo- you look at their top six of like Palat, Stammer, Kucherov, Kalorin, Sorelli, Point. You know that's a more scary top six. You know, it's got the it's got the superstar power with Stammer, Kucherov, and Point, and then it's either got guys you know that are responsible defensively or have a role, um, like a like a, a Anthony Sorelli. You know, excellent for his role. Kalorin been on both cups. Um, you know he he's great for his role. He he's he's got some plenty of playoff experience, and he's a great two way forward. So, you know, it just shows that, you know, sometimes the the pushback uh, from the top players, it, you know, it, that really wins the series. And, um, you know, you just you just look at them. I mean, look at this play right here. I'll, I'll play the the audio clip. It's the Andre Palat goal in uh, Game Six. This is how they started the scoring. Um, we could play it right now, actually, but. It was just uh, a stupid mistake here by Kerfoot. We'll turn in now. He bumped into Muzzin just outside the line. They both lost their footing. And you know the speed of the outside by point almost got the lane, but an excellent recovery by Riley. And so basically what happened there, Kerfoot was just skating around. He was ragging it, and he went for a drop pass, and no one was there. All he had to do was dump it in or to skate. It was four on four. But he made a stupid play because he overthought, and Palat um, took advantage of it. And, you know, he, he had the extra uh, speed burst there, and, and he, he scored. Um, so it's stuff like that, just costly mistakes leading to um, turnovers. And like I said, this forward group is not physical enough, you know. You look at Tampa's physicality, they can really, I mean, Stamkos can, you know, I know he's a great goal scorer, but he, he really gets in there, um, and he can he can really be physical. Then you got the bottom six of, like, guys like Colton and Nick Paul and Bellamar, and then you got the veterans down there, Maroon and Perry. How about, how about Brandon Hagel in Game 7? Good, good job for him, buddy. But, you know, it's bigger, it's it's a bigger, uh, and they, they even have speed there, so it's like, Wow, it's like a good job for them. You know, they 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 find ways to make that the the whole twelve forwards click, and they do it every every, every night for the past two years. They've been doing it. So, um, one thing I will say, uh, one player who did, who I thought did a really good thing, uh, Jason Spezza, he had the game five win over the Leafs, uh, excuse me, over the Lightning, but he really motivated that team. Every, everyone in during that game, Nylander, Matthews, Tavares, were all saying, you know, Spets is the guy that sat us down after the poor first period and said, you know, we stunk and we just got to simply do better. He rallied them and the Leafs came back and won that game. So, um, you know, having veterans like that on your bottom six, you want to compare bottom sixes. I mean, I think Nylander was on the bottom six, if I'm not mistaken, but you could swap him in the top six. That's fine. But guys like Camp and Engvall and Blackwell and Kasha, I mean, how much playoff experience do they have? Like, other than this round, 
I wouldn't say whole much. Um, I unless maybe Kasha back in uh, Anaheim had a little bit, but I wouldn't say David Camp, Engvall, and Blackwell had a whole lot of playoff experience before coming to the Leafs. So say what you want, but you know, um, Jason Spetz is like probably the only bottom six player I might want to actually keep. Um, for that matter, I'm not saying those guys are bad players, but. You know, maybe you could keep one or two of them, but, you know, Spezza's a guy, you know, his veteran leadership, and, he, and he's a skill. Jason Spezza is a skilled player still. He he could put him on the power play. Um, he could shoot it still. He could set up his teammates, and then, you know, that he could be the skilled guy. But then you can't have guys like, uh, you need you need physicality down there. I'm not scared of David Camp, Pierre Engvall, and Blackwell, and Kasha, and Neil, like Nylander. I'm not, I'm not scared of them. I'm not scared of Kerfoot. You know, Mikheyev's big. So he's got some size, but, you know, the, no one really is like, I mean, the most scary forward you have is Simmons, but he, he got benched after his two dumb penalties. The only guy I could say, you know, has got some fight in him is Bunting, the rookie, but my, I'm, I'm supposed to be scared of your your rookie? You, come on, like, you know, there's got to be a bigger pushback next time from these uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, and... You know, they, they got to get tougher, man. I'm telling you, toughness wins games. They, this forward group is not tough enough, all right? It's not the defense's fault, let me tell you that much. I mean, you look at the top six, I'm okay with that top six. Um, I know they they're, they're missing Rasmus Sandin with injury, but you put Sand next year, you go with more Riley, Labushkin, Muzzin, Brody, Giordano, and Sandin, or, or some maybe a, a change or two. If, okay, I don't know. I don't have the free agent list in front of me. I'm not into free agency yet. But you and Justin Hall can be your seventh defenseman, then I'm fine with that. And and they got to re-sign Jack Campbell for sure. So you have those six guys. I'm fine with that. That's not the issue. the The physicality up front is not it with this team. They're a soft team, guys. Until they change that, they will continue to lose to lose in the first round. Okay, you can blame that forward group. You can blame the you can blame the coach. You can blame whoever you want. I'm telling you, the phys- lack of physicality up front is why this team fails. And I think I'm gonna leave it at that with the Leafs. Um, so the next thing we're not gonna br- we're gonna break down more series in a bit. But I have to say, the inconsistent officiating has become a topic where now I even have to talk about it. And I don't want to talk about it because I don't like to rag on officials. But here, I'll, the uh, the goalie interference. I think we need a um. I think we need a new. How could I say it? I think we need a we need a new rule or we need a consistent rule because it's too inconsistent. And I'll and I'll show you what you, what I mean. So I'm gonna show three clips here. Are you gonna listen to three clips? First off, this infuriated me the most because I'm a Rangers fan. It's the Filipino goal that was waved off because Capo Caco was pushed into the net and they call goalie interference. So let's watch. I'm gonna watch the clip here. You guys can listen. So for anyone who didn't see the play, Kako was driving the net, and Dumoulin was, you know, he's cutting him off, and he Kako had no space left, and Dumoulin forced him into the goalie, He, which is what happened. Then you got this play here. We got the uh, Gabriel Landeskog uh, goal. It, now, this goal actually stood despite the coach's challenge, I, I believe. Um, yeah, this, this goal was, uh, this goal was stood, 
right? We're going to play it here. So that's the same similar play. I guess less impact, maybe you could say. But Landeskog has the puck. He gets the pass across from Kadri. And driving to the net was... Um, I think it was Lekkinen driving to the net. And the defenseman um, pushed him a little into the goalie. They challenged it. But that goal got to stand up. So even though he, he bumped uh, Connor Ingram there. And I'm like, wait, wait, what's going on? And then this one might be the most egregious. This was clearly goal interference by Milan Lucic. I don't have the audio here, but I'm watching it as I, uh, as I, as I, uh, oh my god, I can't, I can't even speak. As I have it in front of me, Lucic, he, he comes around the corner. He bumped into Ottinger. Nobody pushed him. Nobody pushed him. The puck bounced to, right to him off the ball, off the uh, end board, and he put it in. And somehow that goal stood up. And I'm like, wait, what? What's going on? I'm I'm trying to figure it out. Like he literally ran into him and he got called a goal. So I'm saying that the rules are too confusing, okay? There needs to be some sort of consistency because there hasn't been and it's a joke. And you know what it makes me think of? It, it makes me think, you know, it's the it it, it, it honestly it, it affects games and it affects who the refs do want to win. I'm sorry, there is a bias in hockey, okay? There's a bias in all sports. I'm not saying that uh, the refs are doing their job um, or intentionally wanting a team to win, but they do have biases in hockey, and it really does kill the momentum or shift of the game. And you can't say that it doesn't because I just showed you proof that similar plays get called differently, and it's like, no, that's not good, okay? It's, it's too difficult for the refs to make these calls. So what they have to do, whenever there's a controversial call, the people in Toronto should be making the decision. Not the refs on the ice because they're forcing the refs to make a decision and they can't because they didn't either see the whole play because they have to watch. I understand. They got to watch all 10 guys on the ice. They have to try their best to see, you know, what's happening. Um, and, and it's not an easy job. I'm not going to. I do feel for the refs in that regard, but it's, there, it's too many pathetic calls that the refs are making and it's just. It is a sad thing that the NHL has with their system. They there has to be some sort of way where you know we, the, these challenges mean something because it's it's like I, I I like the coach's challenge idea, but you know sometimes you know there's no consistency with rules, and if you don't have consistency with rules, you have chaos in life. That well, that's not a hard thing to fucking figure out. All right, um, and I don't. It shouldn't be a storyline. Okay, you think. You think the NFL wants another pass interference uh, storyline to uh, run their headlines for NFL.com? I don't think so. You think the NBA wants um, any uh, someone to to get compared uh, how many free throws each team has because of foul calls? I don't think so. You think the MLB wants a controversial uh, strike three call to end a series? I don't think so. And they're making sure it won't fucking happen because... The NHL continues this. The backlash to them is going to be so bad. Man, I, I, I'm going to start to feel bad for Gary Bettman. I mean, I don't because it is his own doing. But, you know, it's just, it just very upsetting as a fan. To, I don't want to see the game get dictated by NHL refs. I really, really don't. All right, that's all I'm going to say to that. I understand I have my own bias, especially with that uh, Philip Heedle no goal. But other than that, that's all I'm going to say on the situation. All right, so there's two more series that I really got into uh, this series. 
The Rangers one we're going to talk about at the end. But before that, how about the Edmonton Oilers Los Angeles Kings series? Oof. That was a game seven as well. And my God, fan fucking tastic for the Oilers. They move on to round two to face the Calgary Flames. And they looked pretty good, I have to say, against the LA Kings. Now, I predicted the Oilers to win. I thought they'd win this series. Excuse me for one sec, guys. Sorry about that. I might have to cut that out of the frames. But um, the Edmonton Oilers, they look pretty good. Um, they, they're off, Offensively, they were the third best team in the goals for. Pittsburgh was number one, and then the Rangers were number two, 29 and 28. And then the Oilers were third in the whole se- uh, playoffs with 27 goals so far. So, you know, watch out for that team. That team is a uh, juggernaut offensively, I'd say. They really know how to put the puck in the back of the net. Um, they scored a lot. They at times they the Kings would embarrass them, but the Oilers would embarrass them right back. I'd say so. Say what you want, but you know, it it really is a uh, a treat to watch this team have a little bit of success. And I thought at first the team wouldn't even make the playoffs, but you know they proved they've been proving me wrong. They they proved me wrong and they made it. And they want, I'd say it's a successful year for them. To make the playoffs and to win a series, so congrat, kudos to them. Mike Smith stood on his fucking head. I have to say, he really he had a fantastic series, if you ask me. Um, Mike Smith, uh, he had the great, he he had the, uh, what was it? He had a bad game one, but then games two he did good. Game three he did good. Game four he did good. Game five was bad for him, and then game six and seven he did pretty good as well. Um, he had two shutouts this series. It, it, I think his uh, his save percentage was nine thirty something, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he 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 really he really uh was been the backbone for this team. Um, uh, once he got going under Jay Woodcroft. Um, and then how about up front? I'm not even going to talk about their two stars. I'm going to talk about that second line. How about Evander Kane, man? You know this guy. There's no more COVID scandal with him. There's no more domestic abuse scandal. There's no more. Um, locker room issues, it seems like, with Evander Kane. Um, but he, he's becoming, he's literally been the breakout star for this Oilers offense. Um, seven goals in the series. Uh, that puts him in a class of um, Gretzky, Curry, Tekin, and Anderson for the third most goals in an Oilers playoff series. So congratulations. Um, he doesn't even play with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Uh They're on the top line now. And Kane's been running that second line, just scoring at will. Um, he's even getting into it. The LA fans, he's shushing the crowd as he, as as he should. Um, you know, I mean, I like that stuff in hockey, especially if you're winning. So kudos to them. Um, you know, may, maybe if if things don't go well, maybe Kane goes back to that first line. You break up the McDavid Drysaddle, um, and put them on separate lines. I like how they kind of did that. It gives them more balance. But um, to me, that doesn't really matter right now because they won. Um, that's more into the next series in case things go wrong. Um, but you know when uh, whenever Kane's uh, you know it's not like he it's like he found a fit there in Edmonton. I thought Edmonton was the perfect uh, place for him to go. Um, he's coming off a regular season, which he was almost point a game, uh, thirty nine points in forty three games, and he had twenty two goals. So it's not like he he was just racking up assists. He he was scoring, man. He he is a goal scorer that scores, and he and he showed he still has it in him. Um, you know, and he, and he, he plays big minutes. Uh, you know, and he, and he sticks up for his teammates too. He, you see, uh, what's it called? If uh, someone someone that gets, uh, I even saw it in the regular season. You know, 
guys were going after McDavid or Drysaddle or someone in the top six, you know, Kane would step in right there, and he, you know, he's a tough customer, so I wouldn't want to mess with him. Um, but you know, kudos to Kane uh, scoring uh, some some big goals in this series, and he's having a great. And how about the Nuge man, Ryan Nugent Hopkins returning after having an injury fiddled season. He had, uh, I think, five points this series, two goals, three assists. He had a pretty good series, if you ask me. Um, you know, the Nuges battled some injuries over the uh, over the past few seasons. He's been on and off with injuries. Um, he only played like 50-something games this year, but, you know, that's a good combination of Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Evander Kane um, to go, to go, you know, hand in the... And he's more of a he's more Nuge is more of your assist man while Kane's your pure goal scorer in that second line and that, and you know now you got two top lines obviously McDavid Drysaddle is that number one concern for everyone because they could just take over games at will but then you got um, now Kane and Nuge you know everyone's starting to worry about them you know you throw in Hyman in that top six that's a pretty good top six I have to say it's a that's what's called the scary top six Leafs uh, that's that's what uh they they might not be uh, they they. They might not be the winning next series, in my opinion. Um, we'll get into that in a sec, but um, they 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 know how to you know do some damage up front. Um, and the reason now, I think uh, you know, this fan base really does deserve it um, to see this team uh, have some sort of success. But um, I do want to say that the I don't think the Oilers will get past the Flames because now the Battle of Alberta. That's going to be a fun one i'm telling you there's going to be some gloves dropping some majors uh just bad blood between these two teams but i don't think that the oilers defense is is as good as the calgary's defense and you look at this team you got nurse who who did that stupid hit on uh i think it was denol he elbowed and we got the game suspension but then the, the you look at the the other defenseman it's like kulak and cc keith bouchard russell and barry and i'm like I'm sorry, I don't buy I don't buy that as a Stanley Cup winning defense. I'm not saying that they're all bad defensemen. I'm just saying that that's definitely not good enough. I mean, um, they all have their uh, strengths and weaknesses for sure. I'm not going to go into each single defenseman and break them down, but you know that that to me is not a uh, Stanley Cup winning defensive core. Um, I think they've uh, they'll have a good a decent uh, fight against Calgary, but I think Calgary will take them out. Um, but like I said, kudos to the Oilers, uh, and hopefully, uh, let's see. We'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe, who knows? Maybe this team will somehow prove me wrong. We never know. All right. Last but not least for this episode, we will have another episode tomorrow to talk about more hockey. But the New York Rangers, after last night's win against the Pittsburgh Penguins, what a back-and-forth series this was. Um, Shout-out to the, my boy Fitzy, a big Penguins fan. They put up a great fight. But you lost. Too bad. So sad. Gonna be that asshole. Yeah. Um. So I have to say, Igor Shesterkin. Let's start with him. He did not play well to start the, this series. I, I I give it that. He he did not play um, off to snuff with me. If you ask me, in games. Let's see. I'd say in. Because I'm trying to remember each game that happened, and the first two in the first two games. He was he, he looked pretty damn well good to me, I have to say. He, there was nothing wrong with him. Even that big overtime loss because of the Heedle no goal, I, I have to say he was fa- fantastic. When he went to Pittsburgh that first go-around, and, and even game 
five against Pittsburgh when they won at home. He looked a little out of sorts to me. Then when game six and seven hit, oh, he turned it back up. Game game six and seven, he, he looked like he was the old Igor Shesterkin that we all saw this regular season. Um, I have to say, he bounced back and he battled. And that that was a hell of a series. He, a roller coaster series for Shesterkin. But he had a hell of a playoff series right there. Hopefully... You know, it's more consistent against a, a better, much better team, the Carolina Hurricanes, which is, oof, that's going to be a tough one for the Rangers. But um, we'll, let's talk about the Penguins a little bit. Um, I know Sidney Crosby had a fantastic series. Um, he got injured on the hit from Truba, but he came back game seven. He had, what was it, nine points, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, ten, ten, points in, uh, ten points in six games, so... Sid really looked like himself. Um, he's such an unselfish player too. Um, he just he just sets up his line mates. Um, you know why do you think Jake Gensel is so good? Well, it's because he plays with Sidney Crosby. That's why because you know he he learned. I'm not saying Gensel is a moocher off Crosby, but I'm saying when you got a guy like that, um, you know, to teach and to help get better. You know, Crosby. You know he he he's a veteran now. He's 34. He's not getting any younger. Um, he still got he still got plenty left in him. Uh, Sid had Sid had a pretty I mean Sid was uh, injured too this year. Don't forget that. But let's not he had eighty four points this year. So it's not like Sid uh, is any is like chopped liver anymore. Okay, he's he might not be you know Sid the kid his first two years coming in the NHL. But uh, Sidney Crosby is uh, I'd say officially uh, he still he still is that star to me. I, and he, and he proved it this series. Um, I still, I always think he's a bit of a whiner, but he is an unselfish player, and he's a smart player too. I'll never forget Game Four. You know that that dude was eating, uh, eating up the clock, or or was it game? It was Game Three, not Game Four. Game Three. You know he he is his whole line is going for a shift. That dude's eating up clock as they're up uh, five five four after Georgiev gave the bad goal up to a uh, Dayton Heinen, um, but you know S- Sidney Crosby is a. Uh, a force to be reckoned with, and a uh, and he's still one of the best players in the NHL, if you ask me. Um, and my, and I have to say, Mike Sullivan, you know, he really he really was a uh, he really did a good job of rotating all his lines. Um, and I have to say, for this forward line, they are a pretty good forward line. Like I watched them pretty uh, closely. Like I I don't think there's like a that's not a bad forward group at all. I mean Gensel with Crosby and Rust. I mean Gensel's a star, Crosby a star. Rust has been a better uh, on this team for a while, but then even the second line is skilled with Malkin, Raquel, and Kapanen. That's a very uh, skilled second line, and they got the bottom six too. Carter's a good veteran. Dayton Heinen played well. Uh, Zucker. Uh, you got Brian Boyle down there. You got Re- Evan Rodriguez. You know he's a good bottom six player. Teddy Bluger is not bad. You know even McG- like. You know, it, it was a pretty good. Um, pre- I'd say it was. They have a pretty good forward core that team, um, and I know the Rangers fans were pretty brutal. We, you know, we we uh, we uh, com- we complain about referees more than anyone. I'd say, but we have a right to do so. That that officiating in that series that was the worst officiating I've seen in a while. It, it, it really, really was. We like I don't know how many missed calls or bad calls there were, but. It was about a couple a game, I'd say, and it was on both sides too. I'll admit, um, like, I'll, I'll even say it as a Rangers fan. I know Crosby had his head down, but Truba did have his elbow up, so he should. I don't think it was a suspension worthy hit, but I think he should have been at least penalized for it. I will say that. 
Um, Gensel, like I said, Jake Gensel, uh, you know, he learned from Crosby going back to him. But Gensel, he's just a playoff goal scorer, man. The dude just works and works. Um, how many goals did he have this series? He, I think he led the first round with goals, if not mistaken. He's That's all he's going to get. Uh, but he had one, three, four, five. Six, eight, did he have eight? He had eight goals and two assists in ten games. I mean, in seven games. My God, he had ten points. Uh, Crosby was the assist man. Jake Gensel was the goal scorer in this uh, series. Uh, probably one of the best players in this series, Gensel and Crosby, as they both tore it up. Um, one thing that concerns me for the Rangers, you know, God forbid Igor Shesterkin does have that bad game. They don't have a viable backup. Alexander Georgiev is not a viable backup. Um, I know Carolina is going to be surging, literally surging in that in in our uh, zone, and I would not want Georgiev there. I'd rather have Shesterkin because at least Shesterkin can win you a game or two. He can steal games. Georgiev can't, so that might be something the Rangers want to look in the off season. But going back to Pittsburgh, um, you know they they really do win a lot of one on battles, but I have to say one player I was a little disappointed was was Malkin. Um, I know Malkin. Don't worry. I know Malkin's still a terrific player. He's had some great success with Pittsburgh, but he was just very inconsistent this series. You know, there were times where he looked like the old Gino, and then there were there were periods or two periods in a row where like, wow, is he playing tonight? He looked pretty invisible to me. Um, I heard like the broadcast even say it like they they some of them expect more from him. The TNT broadcast, um, but I. But he, but he, he was a timing player. He did show up in certain cases. He did have some big goals. Um, you know, he he did uh, when Crosby was out. Uh, he did he did perform well for that game. But even though they lost, but um, he had six points in the game. I'm not saying he was invisible the whole series, but he was a bit inconsistent to me. And you know, he's not getting younger. He's thirty five years old. Um, he, and he's he's contracts up. So it's very interesting to see what Pittsburgh. You know, I'm sure they want to resign him, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, and I have to say the Rangers should have not let this series go to seven because it will hurt them the next series, I think, because you got to beat a goalie like Louis Domingue. Okay. Um, you know, his glove, his glove side is horrible. Um, he, uh, but some reason they were shooting low blocker on him. That's what I, that's what some of the analysts were saying out there. I listened to a lot of like a lot of local analysts too, for the Rangers stuff. And he's a weak glove side to Ming, but um, and he and he really did give up some soft goals. That that Kreider goal in Game Six, that you got to have that one, buddy. That was all on Ming right there. He 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 blew the game there. Um, and, and there there was just some soft goals that he gave up. Um, and the Rangers, you know, they they should have won in like five or six just because he's a minor league goalie. But some games they were just outplayed and they didn't help their goalie out. I'm not saying Domingue doesn't. Maybe he could be a backup somewhere. Um, it was a great spicy pork story. His first game, you know, coming into that overtime after DeSmith got hurt. But my God, uh, it's Louis friggin' Domingue, guys. It shouldn't be a, it shouldn't be a, a a battle with him. You know, they they should be getting. They should have gotten like five or six on him every night. Um, no offense to Louis Domingue, but he he's just not simply not good enough. Um, and unfortunately, you know, Jari did play game seven, but that was his only game. So. We'll see what Pittsburgh does. I'm I'm sure Jar will be healthy next playoffs when they're uh, back in it. If they go to the playoffs, we'll see. Um, and like I said, the refereeing this officiating oh, was just atrocious. I don't know how many times you know momentum was killed because of a penalty that was either a soft call or a non call, and it just it irked me. I admit it irked me to death. Um, 
but what can I say? The Rangers win. They go on. Uh, another noteworthy, something noteworthy here. Uh, I do think the Pens were missing their uh, one of their top defensemen. So Chris Letang is their best defenseman. But they lost Brian Dumoulin during the series. Um, that really, I think, hurt them. That was kind of the nail in the coffin. You didn't. You, they were battling with the third-string goalie. But then when you lose probably one of your best shutdown defensemen, I mean, um, you're playing Matheson with Letang. Matheson was inconsistent. You know, Patterson, Marino, they did okay-ish. But then, like, Rudwell and Friedman, that, that wasn't really a strong top six. So maybe they improved by getting another blue liner at the uh, um, during the offseason. They got Chris Letang's also under contract. And I can, they have to re-sign him at least. You know, he's their number one defenseman for years. Um, but... You know, who knows? Maybe uh, Cindy will uh, teach them some golf lessons because the Rangers move on. All right, very happy, happy that this episode is going to be out in a little about an hour or so. Okay, um, we got another episode coming tomorrow. We're going to talk more Leaf stuff. We got uh, we had a coach firing that's going to happen, uh, or that happened um, that we got to discuss. But a lot of stuff. Can't wait to get into the next episode, and I will see you all then.